0: CIA 3-in-1 podcast. Danny Olsen, Brett Barons, with you once again. The third time in uh, about eight days here as Illinois finally finishing up their first stretch away from home of this season. Taking on number 17 Tennessee earlier today. and It did not go the Illini's way back and forth. Illinois had to lead at halftime and then the Vols defense really put the clamps on the Illini as they get Rocky topped by Rocky top in this one. Brett Barron's out there in Knoxville. Brett, give us the lowdown on this uh, 86-79 loss for the Illini or just their second of the season.
1: Yeah, they played a whole lot of Rocky top all game long. I think I know all the words now um, to it, which, look, I don't mind the song. It's not terrible. There's a way worse songs to play, but – it was loud in there. That was my first takeaway. Uh, first time down in Knoxville for a game and 21,000, they got in there huge arena and they w- they got after it. There was students on both ends right behind the basket and, and they were loud. I mean, this place was popping for sure, especially considering it's a noon Eastern game here, but nationally televised, you watched it on WCIA. and. It was really high level to start. Both teams coming out offensively, playing very, very well. And Illinois is known for this defense, right? Like they want to be hanging their hat defensively. But these last two games, uh, giving up 80-plus points, not so much that, but a very entertaining first half that led to a dud of a second half, I would say. The, The whistles came out, the refs. Had a quick whistle for sure. A whole lot of foul shots were uh, made and put up by both teams. And it just was a forever game. I a two-hour and, what, 20-minute game? Like, it did not need to be that long. Some bad calls from both, uh, you know, to go both ways, I should say. Like, you know, I thought both mm-hmm. teams had calls that were just not great uh, for them. And uh, Illinois not able to get it done the score probably not quite indicative of what it was although Illinois did make a run late to get it to five or six uh but you really felt like Tennessee had control of this game uh after they went on a big run in that second half I had it at 17 to five and they took control place got loud and uh, that was about it Andy what do
0: you make of just kind of that end of the don't even want to say and it was kind of most of the second half that kind of drought that Illinois was on I mean Tennessee's a good team right you know they go into Carolina and kind of get the doors blown off there even though they were just coming back from Maui at that point but they play tough games against really tough opponents so far this season including Kansas and Purdue already coming into this one another top 25 matchup they're able to hold Marcus Damask and Tarrant Shannon Jr. for the most part Shannon did go off in the second to get up to, you know, over 20 points in this one. Uh, but it just kind of felt like the, the, the pressure that they were playing with in and the speed they were playing with in that second half on defense kind of got to Illinois and maybe didn't get as many open opportunities or comfortable opportunities as they, they would have wanted or we, we've seen them get in previous games.
1: Yeah, and that's my biggest takeaway from this game is that, you know, after – about sixty-six combined. And from to basketball, like Marcus, is just non-existent. I mean, for most of this game, all oh, he finished two for 0 oh, for five, from three. For as comfortable as he looked, Andy, and you were there to see it, yeah, at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday, he looked as equally uncomfortable. This game today was just not there, and I think. Tennessee's defense has a huge part to play in that. It's not that like, you know, Marcus was just now some terrible player. Tennessee's a good team, like you said. I, I think this team is definitely a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. And I think they can do some damage. And so their scouting report, I feel like, was spot on because Terrence in that first half with only four points, he was taken out of the game. And if you combine both of those guys, because a lot of Terrence's shot are uh, points rather were made at the free throw line. He goes 11 for 11 at the line, which is huge. Like, the, the steps that this team has taken in a short amount of time from the stripe is very noteworthy. But they combine on their field goals to go seven for 27. Like, Illinois, for as good as they were, those two, on mm-hmm. Tuesday, they're, they're just not going to win games if they're two, quote-unquote, best players. Terrence, for sure. I think Marcus is in the running now for their second-best player are seven for 27 from the field. It's just not going to happen, especially when you're on the road. Maybe at home you can overcome some of those things. But those guys combined to make seven shots uh, was not a good recipe for Illinois. That's my biggest takeaway from the game. The fact that in the first half, though, those guys were struggling. They combined for, I believe, six points in that first half. And yet Illinois is up by two. I thought that was the encouraging part for Illinois fans. Is that you go into that thinking, all right, somehow we're ahead at half after a blitzing start. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee comes out, grabs the lead, looks like they're in control. Illinois fights back because Tennessee goes doesn't score for four plus minutes. Illinois with a, a 10-0 run in there at some point. And Illinois dropped back in it, leading at half. Uh, but the team really was disappointed. And they're rebounding in the second half, especially. They feel like that was uh, the biggest difference. The numbers aren't like stark to me, Andy, uh, as the rebounding battle, 43-34 for the game. Uh, but they felt like, from Quincy Garrier's words when he spoke to the media after the game, and Brad had just the second half rebounding, uh, was a big reason that they lost the game.
0: What do you make of 36 three-pointers taken for Illinois? They make nine of them which if you do the math really quick, that's 25% on the day. Coleman Hawkins, the most uh, egregious, he shoots 10, does make three, so that's 30%, but Terrence Shannon Jr., one of six. Quincy Garrier was three of eight from behind the three-point arc. Uh, That also gets him to 22 points on the day, which was tied for a game high with Shannon. Uh, And then Damask, we talked about his struggles, 0 for 5. It just kind of felt like the Vols, in their game plan that was where they were going to let illinois try and beat them and illinois could not beat them that way it was a good game plan sound game plan uh from Barton's and company
1: yeah i think it was and and we're back over this 30 plus threes attempted i mean illinois was chucking there for a while there was one stretch andy where seven of eight shots in a row were threes and maybe that's part of them being down and having to come back in the second half that you shoot some more threes. But once again, for as aggressive as they were Tuesday nights, they just seem to be settling for shots tonight. And Brad Underwood said that he thought most of them were pretty good. You know, I, I still just am not buying this team's a three-point shooting team. Brad says they're good shooters, that he trusts them and that they're they are going to make them. But, I just have little reason to believe that they should be shooting 36 threes when you have one of the best drivers in college basketball and Terrence Union Jr. on your team. And when you're not making that many threes, I would rather them continue to be aggressive to the hoop in the paint. And and points in the paint, 38-24, Tennessee, big advantage there. Um, You know, Coleman especially, like, 10 threes coming off the injury. A lot of those were fadeaways. Now, he did make one of them, but it's like that was the old school Coleman uh, that we've gotten so accustomed to seeing, and it's tough to watch him when he's stepping back or fadeaway or some of those shots are are, uh, off the mark and, and sometimes way off the mark. We did see Luke Goody with two air balls today. I would not have had that on my bingo card for something to see in this game, but he did bounce back. Uh, from those air balls one two threes it's like he this uh, that Luke Goody continues uh, to make those shots from beyond the arc
0: and funny enough he leads the team in rebounding with seven on the day which uh, probably would not have been expected coming into this one what was the biggest surprise for me was you talk about that just kind of dependence on the three ball in this one. And then, and then just straight up relying on it when probably they shouldn't be. And you know, you, you watching from an outside perspective, it might be easy to say like, and think like, why are not they just going down low? I, and really there's no answer for that in the box score. Because when you look at it, Dane danger only plays four minutes in this one. He's one of two from the field. And those shots happened in succession when he got a rebound and then missed the putback and was able to tip it back in after that. He didn't have any foul trouble. He had one foul on the day in those four minutes, three rebounds. Like, was there any reason that you saw, Brett, that Danger just was not as involved in this game plan today?
1: Yeah, and this is back-to-back games where he really hasn't played that much, and I think that's part of the emergence of Coleman, right, and, and him coming back off that injury. But Brad did say after the game, too, that he, he's got to get some more tick in there for Dane uh, and figure out that rotation at, at the five. They are different with Dane in there at the five, but I think that's important for them to figure out some kind of mix in there because this team's going to need Dane, and him only playing four minutes is is tough, um, especially when you're trying to balance, um, you know, Coleman's minutes coming back off the knee injury. So Dane did not make a big impact, and he hasn't here really, you know, since Coleman has come back. But I do think that's important going forward that they got to, figure out a mix in there to get both those guys in the game uh, for especially Dane, more than four minutes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, coming into today, you think about the size that certainly Tennessee has, you know, because they play in the SEC got to have size that Dane would have been a good option to probably play some minutes in this one. And the fact that he plays only four really crazy. And yeah, you think about when he was successful this season, it was those three games that Coleman had missed and there's got to be a better way for those guys to be in the same lineup together and to mix those guys minutes cuz right now with you know him only playing 4 minutes off the bench it kind of feels like a waste of signs and a waste of talent there especially in a game like this where Illinois could have used more of an uh, you know established player down low in the paint uh, you have to wonder like why is uh why is he sitting on the bench for that long so Illinois falls to seven and two on the season. Brett, how much stock are you putting into this one as far as what this means for Illinois' season, positively or negatively? Because I, with how they played, I think they show that they can go toe to toe with one of the better teams in the country. But it's still a loss, and you know it's not like they're going to look at quality losses when it comes to seeding and placement in, in the big er, in the NCAA tournament. You know, come March.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to take you know too many arrows here for losing on the road a true road game to a high quality opponent like Tennessee. They played well at times. I think they, they continue to learn their roles, rotations, all those kind of things that we talked about. But I think at the end of the day, like you feel pretty good about this. Let's say Andy now they have three more games to round out 2023 before they restart Big Ten play here. So they got Colgate next Sunday and Dragon rights. Uh, and then they end this season or in the uh, calendar year with Fairly Dickinson. So they play three games in eight days and they don't have three for the next couple of weeks here. Let's just say they win all three of those games. I don't think that's a given, but if you're 10 and two heading into 2024, I think you feel pretty good about that. Don't it's you? True. I mean, I think this team has shown some really positive things. And if we break it down more on a micro level, if you say, okay, this team went two and one on its first true road trips of the season. It's its first true big test, other than Marquette, you know, which was a home game. So you finally get away. You go two and one. I think you feel pretty good about that. I think at the end of the day, and you can kind of see, you know, we in the in the post games, pretty easy to see when Brad is encouraged and you know when he's frustrated. I didn't I didn't get the sense today, and he was like overly frustrated. Certainly, there's moments where they wish they would have played better that would have given them a better opportunity to win the game. But I think Brad's pretty happy with two and one.
0: Yeah, when we talked on the pregame show with uh, Derek Piper at Rutgers, we previewed this like little three game stretch, and you know, I I think we said that one win you definitely you definitely need one. Right. Two is where you feel pretty good about the trip. And then three is kind of like dreamland, like, oh, you know what we got cooking here. And So to come away with uh, that win at Madison Square Garden against Florida, Atlanta, get so many eyes on you to start one to know in the Big Ten. I, I don't think you can take too many gripes away from that as you uh, kind of finish out this December here. Brett, as uh, you're on your way back now to Champaign, same with uh, Illinois, as they got that one neutral site game against Missouri to end the year before it goes all Big Ten conference play. Final thoughts on uh, just what this game means for uh, for Illinois and, you know, what they do moving forward now because uh, it's a big stretch with these final three before getting in the conference play.
1: No doubt about it. And I feel like this team overall is about where I think most people thought they would be. I think Brad's pretty encouraged from the things that he's seen and knows that they still have some things to clean up, some things they got to work on, right? Of course they do. but You know, all things considered, I feel like this team is going to be good. And Brad said afterwards today that, you know, he he thinks they're really good. Uh, And and he knows that. I think he's very confident in what he has because he has veterans. And I think that's why he feels so confident. But we'll see, man. Like, I think this is going to be a really, really fun ride here to March. Can't skip steps, certainly, for the Illini. Uh, You know, you got to play every game. with that same kind of effort and energy and, and preparation that you had, you know, for those big moments, for that Madison Square Garden moment, you know, and for the things that they've done well, um, build upon that. And I think this team's going to be very good, Andy. Um, I don't know if they're better than Purdue, right? Like, if we're looking <laughs> at Big Ten, we'll see they play Purdue uh, pretty early here, Jan, Jan 5, yeah, uh, in, in the schedule. So I don't know if they're better than Purdue. Like, I, I can't sit here and say this team's going to win the Big Ten. But uh, overall, I feel pretty positive about what they've shown.
0: Well, the stats think that they're the second best team in the Big Ten, and that will certainly be put to the test uh, as this season rolls on. And they get back into Big Ten play against the only team that's beaten Purdue, Northwestern. So, should be a very fun turn of the calendar as we get into January. But now, a big break until they take on Colgate. So we'll be at without a podcast here for a bit, Brett, as uh, Illinois taking what I think is their longest break left of the season. They do have about a six-game break in February between games, but this is their last seven-day, eight-day stretch without a game. Uh, so we will see uh, Illinois again coming up here shortly against uh, the Toothpaste Brands. Should be fun, <laughs> Brett. Hope you had fun there you out go. there in Knoxville, because uh, won't be another trip for a while here. Uh, we'll wrap it up by saying you can watch all of our coverage on wcia.com, uroalanaation.com. Brad Underwood's full postgame press conference, plus Brett's story from Knoxville in Rocky Top. Best song ever. I'm sure Brett agrees with me on that. <laughs> Check it out there. I don't there. know about we, that, but. We also have highlights, of course, up from uh, Brett's journey to Knoxville again. nationcom You can find it there. For Brett, I'm Andy. Thanks for uh, digesting the game with us here on the Post Game Pod on the WCIA 3-in-1 Podcast. And we'll talk to you again after the next week.